Hi, I'm Toby. And I'm Nick. And welcome to the Pure Property Podcast with Track Capital, where we talk about all things property and property investment. The aim of the podcast is to give you our industry insight knowledge to help investors to invest intelligently. Now, we're back this week with an episode about where is best to invest at the moment. And it's not necessarily uh sort of city or town specific uh, we'll, we'll kind of leave that a bit general um but we're going to look at where in terms of what we're looking for uh, with the location so where you should be sort of focusing in terms of maybe regions or uh, what should attract you to certain locations at this moment in time so what characteristics are we looking for and um, when we're looking for where to invest um something interesting before we go into that is a little bit of market news that i've been sort of reading this week is quite interesting is uh, there's a few bits there was something today in um a publication a property pro- publication about how the rental market is still badly out of balance in terms of there's not enough supply uh, massive demand um that's across a lot of locations in the uk london being highlighted as one of the main places as well. So we're seeing rents um, increase still at a very good uh, rate in terms for landlords, maybe not good news for tenants as well. So I thought that was quite interesting to to hear because there's been sort of rents um, have had real aggressive growth and have slowed down to it to an extent sort of where the, the market will stabilize a bit more, but we're still seeing them go up, um, which is which is really, really interesting to know um and also something that's quite interesting in terms of uh, demand and people purchasing is they have reported that the bank of mum and dad had forked out 8.8 billion pounds in 2022 wow. <laughs> yes that's an incredible incredible amount of money and they still are anticipating it to be um strong this year and i believe um they're expecting it to jump um in 2023 um due to the fact obviously a lot of first-time buyers are being stretched with capital growth that's taken place with mortgage rates um so that's where you're going to see the bank of mum and dad and this is something we've also spoke about is when you hear about mortgage rates rising or cost of living etc and it's going to be harder for people to buy yes that is true but don't don't class that as the whole market there's still going to be people that are going to be able to access funds such as the bank of mum and dad maybe people have got extra savings which they can use and, and put in more equity for a property uh, maybe they can just afford slightly more in terms of their their earnings and the monthly mortgage payments they're gonna to have to pay but that was quite interesting that's a massive figure isn't it Nick? it's a huge figure yes but um what i would say as well is for those people that maybe don't have the um fortunate luxury of you know going going to parents i would still say you know stay positive um we're going to speak about a few locations and principles today of how you can get in at the entry level of the market so you know we don't always have to look for you know three bed detached houses in in the southeast of the country so a few of the bits today we'll mention we'll we'll look through of how you can get in get on the property lender take that first step and and you know build up your property portfolio in the future without getting a huge loan of mum and dad and yeah just going back to the aspect of of london and the rental rises there i think that goes to show 
um, you know, the, the safety net that, that London and these major cities provide. Obviously, we're big advocates of looking at the, the investment values, the capital growth rate, the yields that you get in other areas of the country, such as the Northwest and more recently the Northeast. Um, but don't forget that that's the prime reason why people invest in London, because it's safe, because there's huge tenant demand, because it's a global city. It sees money from all over the world. There's always going to be that, you know, talent pace working for the corporate employees in the city. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see good old London continuing to, to strive. Yeah, another interesting article before we go on to what we're going to speak about on the podcast today is um, in the build to rent sector. So if you don't don't know what that is, that's where there's developments, uh, pension funds, institutions that that build uh, properties specifically just to rent out. They don't sell any units or anything like that. So they might build an apartment block and rent the whole thing out. So they're building it to rent within that industry um, for the first time there has been a, a slight drop off in um, the sort of positivity in terms of reviews. It's still positive, but they've, they've gone down slightly. And they noted the reason for this was in the build to rent market, there started to be more introducing of um, sort of single family homes built to rent. So like more houses and, and etc. Wow. Now, what that meant is it doesn't mean that they've been done badly, but what you tend to find is the build to rent sector has been very, very positive for renters because they've always been tailored around apartment blocks with great communal facilities such as co-working mm. spaces, gyms, um, really nice um, grounds and gardens, for example, um, lovely outside areas. And this has um, really helped in terms of renters being happy and positive and, and glowing reviews for those. And the and management just, as well, just to, to it, jump in there, the way it's run, the way it's operated, the customer service. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Concierge, front desks, the management, general, et cetera, like that has, has always been really good. So that level of service and experience for the renters has, has been why there's been such a positive and growing demand for those types of properties and why they've done well. The build to rent sector is growing massively still. Um, but the reason the single family ones didn't show as positive reviews, and we're not saying, I don't, the article doesn't say they're bad reviews, they're just not as high, is because there's the lack of the community um, side of things, um, the outdoor space, the service, et cetera, um, which, um, yeah, has sort of brought it down slightly, which again just shows the strength of when we're looking at certain types of property investments that we do at Track Capital, when we're looking at good city center locations or good apartment buildings, we are starting to see real good appetite and demand for the ones with great communal facilities because it's really going to help with the tenant demand, the premiums you can charge and just attracting tenants on a regular basis and minimizing voids, which is very, very important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to work in or manage student accommodation buildings, so purpose-built student accommodation. And this was when it was back when it was a relatively new phase, you know, it started 2014. And they used to have, you know, the, the gyms, the cinema rooms, uh, the communal areas. They, they, for me, they were one of the first sort of sectors to, to set that trend and start doing it. And then we started to see these co-living spaces and much higher end facilities going into resi or residential buildings. So I think that's only going to continue. So the developers, for me, they really have to think not only how are they going to shift, how are they going to sell these units, but what does the end user experience look like? You know, how what, what do they do when they get home from work? What's there for them in the morning? And can they do a meeting in the morning before work? All these little details, 
you know, they have to be considered in a competitive marketplace. So yeah, developers out there, take note, keep these facilities top notch, please. And and also uh, landlords for the future, because what we're starting to see is the expectation levels are going to continue rising for mm. tenants coming through and up through the ranks. If you think they're in a, if they're at university and they're in a purpose-built student accommodation scheme with gym, co-working, concierge, great security, um, yeah. outdoor living space. When they then leave university, postgraduate, and are looking for a job and they want to go live in the city and rent somewhere, their expectation levels are going to be, well, I should be having a gym, I should be having this, yeah. I should be having it that. should be better. <laughs> exactly. So that's something to also think think about for the future. I think that trend is going to continue as these tenants are sort of moving up and coming through um, the different stages of where they're at. So, yeah, very interesting. And like you said, Nick, let's, let's get these developers to keep them them coming because they are good. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's only positive for, for the market as a whole. Definitely. Right, let's get on to this. Nick, I'll let you kick things off then in terms of where um, we are looking at in terms of investing at this moment in time in the market. Where, where should we be looking? What's what's the first pointer we should be looking at in, in terms of where? Cool. So fundamentally, what we do as a, as a company, as many of you will know, is identify locations or regions, cities, whatever it may be, to where there's good opportunity for uh, earning well, basically. That, that's the bottom line. Are we going to make money in the value rise? And is there going to be a good rental yield? So there's a couple of fundamental prin principles and bits and bobs, I would say, that we look for to identify such locations. So a lot of these are found in the first, you know, tier one prime city center locations, which is where we do a lot of business development and a lot of focus. So in recent years, your Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham's, um, and in the past, places like, you know, major cities like London, etc. So if we're looking at the moment, we're looking at prime city centre locations in the northwest of the region, I would say that's the, the number one area. So a couple of reasons why. Um, I'll, I'll reel off two, three, and then I'll let Toby cover a couple as well. So the fundamental principle is the strong demand access, sorry, strong demand potential. So what you want to do is make sure you can rent that property in a good period of time, or i.e. a short period of time. You want to make sure you're renting it for the right amount of money and you want to make sure that your void periods are minimal in the future. So you've got a consistent flow. So not only thinking about, oh, how is this going to perform in the next one or two years, but in the next five years, seven years. So when you come to sell it or even if you retain it, you can demonstrate a good rental market demand for your property. So Getting those key tenants in there is, is one of the number one things that you want to look for. Now, with regards to capital growth and seeing value rises, one of the investment fundamentals, what we, what we talk about often, would be regeneration. So what's happening in and around the property, which is going to cause a spike in values. Now, typically, we see that from uh, private investment and public investment into infrastructure, education or you might see big employers move into the areas, you might see, you know, waterfront communities be built out, you might see uh, transport systems improve, uh, you might see more social leisure and entertainment if there's a new mall going in, uh, if they're, you know, building a new uh, set of seafront, um, you know, bars, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So all these things you want to look for, and they can be easily found, if you're looking online and doing your research and due diligence into a location. So one of the first things I do, if I saw an opportunity or I was just doing some general desktop research, is go and look at the 
the planning that the government has. Look at the current infrastructure, uh, Google news articles, you know, new employers going into the area, how much spending is going to take place there. What are the plans from the local politicians, etc.? Because if you time this right, you can make absolute fortunes, as we've seen in different areas across the city. One of the prime and, and you know most um, uh, dominant examples I would feature would be Media City UK in, in in Salford, Manchester. So years and years ago, that that wasn't a thing, believe it or not. It wasn't a place where people looked on as favourable. There was no big employers there. It was you know an area of Manchester that needed money pumping into it. And companies like the Peel Group, Legal in General, they built out Media City UK and we saw phenomenal success in that area. So as a result of that, what happened is that core area was built out. The big, big employers moved in and then other smaller private developers thought, oh, hey, hang on a minute. This is a good area for the future. We can buy this land for cheap. And then by the time we're finished building it out, we can charge a premium. So as followed suit, all the developers plowed in there, the infrastructure improved, you know, there's more buses, there's more transport networks. And as you can see, so on and so on and so on. And as a result of that, that triggers the values to rise. So that happened in Manchester and we have identified or we do identify other areas. Another one, Liverpool at the moment, they're doing the Liverpool Waters, five billion pound regeneration waterfront scheme there. So we think the same thing is going to happen in those places. So just to kick things off then, the prime city centre locations are our bread and butter and what we think investors should look at. And going for that strong rental demand and looking into that regeneration would be a couple of the pointers that I'd certainly get started with. Yeah, that's a great point. On the regeneration as well, it's quite interesting. I was talking to a developer yesterday, um, a Manchester-based developer. I mean, they do developer elsewhere, but their main focus is Manchester at the moment. Big, big player. Um, but they focus on, so they do small, I say small schemes. They'll just do one tower in, in prime city centre locations, but they also are looking at what's going on around those locations, not just uh, what's there now, but who else is building there? What's going on to make sure it fits their high end caliber of uh, development? Mm. And when I spoke to them, um, one of their main sort of competitors in terms of developers who's sort of quite comparable in terms of spec and how, how good the, the end product is, they've in one of the areas where they've got a building, that competitor has like a 10 year master plan going on there so when i went to go visit the actual competitor a little while ago i looked around and it was already amazing what they'd done with um sort of the few sites that they built up um and then they were showing me the sites that they've got sort of blocked off and and ready to go in the future and in the pipeline over the next 10 years for example and they were looking to do more now the reason I'm mentioning that is because we're talking about regeneration. When you look at an area like that, some investors might look there and say, well, yeah, it's nice, but it's not as nice as what I would, what, what I'd expect. I wouldn't live there. Yeah, I wouldn't live there. And there's not really, I mean, it's nice, but there's not a lot. I, I don't really value that. But then when you see that master plan of what's going to be there in the next 10 years, it's going to be incredible. It's going to keep going up and up and up. The, the, the area is going to get nicer, more premier, uh, premium, sorry, and better. And that's only going to do wonders for your, not only your capital growth, because it's going to keep pushing prices up because there's going to be such high demand and it's going to be premium properties everywhere, but also the rental price as well, the rental demand, everybody's going to want to live there and pay. They're going to be used to be paying top prices because all the developments around there are nice and that's what they're used to. Again, the expectations are there. So it's very, very important to look at those long-term plans and don't just see um, maybe commercial 
sort of landscape, um, run down buildings at this at this moment in time and be put off. If you see mm. the regeneration plan, like we see in Liverpool, there's a developer, uh, Romal, that have got a master scheme there, which is going to be amazing. They're building a, a park on the waterfront and it's going to be uh, unreal. But if you go there now today, there's one nice building that they've built and it's sites, a lot of commercial sites, building sites, not really a lot going on. And you might be put off by that. But in the next 10 years, like Nick mentioned, getting there early, like you, people did with Media City, for example, it's going to be a totally different landscape and you can do very, very well. So it's, it's yeah, so very, very important thing we look for. Next, which ties in with that, is employers as well. What employers are there or potentially what employers are going to be attracted there in the future? Because Nick's example of Media City, um, employers there now, you've got sort of the likes of BBC, um, who else is there? Is it Kellogg's? Kellogg's, and- Under Armour, ITV. Yeah, big, big, big uh, companies. And again, they're bringing um, sort of masses of employees with them. Uh, and again, good tenant demographics, which will be of these employees, working professionals, um, good jobs, managerial jobs, executive jobs, really, really good tenants. And that's that's being sort of pulled there. So again, Manchester, good. And those those companies are looking to grow in places like Manchester as well. So again, there's there's future value there. But also looking ahead of time, like like a place like Liverpool on the waterfront at the moment, there's not um as many big names there as as you will see in Media City. But then you've got to think a few uh, a number of years ago they weren't in media city either it was only when that regeneration mm. started it attracted them to the location and that's what you're again you'll see in places like Liverpool waters or other locations that were looking for regenerations plans so thinking about the employers who's there um because you want good employment um levels and companies to be there because they're they're going to be who you're going to be renting out to and they're also going to be uh, very say effective and have an impression on the local area and the local economy and in turn the local property market as well Um, and then we're also looking when we're looking at prime cities it's because we're looking at the data for prime cities um such as your home chat reports when you look at prime city locations they're still performing very well manchester liverpool sheffield all these locations birmingham nottingham performing very very highly but it's not only likes of home track jll Savills, when you look at these big, big names that have massive research uh, departments and spend millions on research, they're all pointing to the fact that these city centres, these prime locations in the next medium to long term and even short term to some extent are going to be performing very, very well because they're still affordable, uh, which is important. um, And people are being drawn to them. So they're still being popular and they're going to have good high demand. So that's another thing we look for. We look at the um, when we're looking at prime city center locations, we're picking the ones where the data is pointing to them. And also because of what we're looking at, privacy, privacy centers, you might get the feedback Manchester, for example, oh, it's had its day. It's not going to grow. Well, no, we've just had a long list there, such as the data that we looked at via big, big names, um, the regeneration plans, the strong demand. Those factors alone for prime city centre locations are a reason why there will always be room for growth. It's the like it's the same with London, for example. The the turbulent times they've had recently, they've that you can still see from the data that we're seeing even today just from the rental side, how strong of demand it is. There's always going to be demand there. Very, very strong hold. So yeah, again, we want to look for areas of where there's still still growth. And those are the areas such as your Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham example, where we can see the affordability levels of the average prices still haven't hit 
nowhere near the peak, which uh, would then start to stop and slow down those those markets. Yeah, and just to touch on a couple of points there. So going back to the uh, employer aspect, so that's a that's a big one for me. And I think some people may have been a little bit confused or taken off guard a little bit when we had the, obviously the COVID phase and the, the, the drive of Zoom and working from home, remote working, people wanting that extra room for study, people wanting to sit in the garden and work. Well, at times, maybe during the, during the summer anyway. Um, so what I would say on that is, you know, we did see that that move back to the city centre. I think a lot of people realised that they wanted the social aspect. They wanted to be in and around people. You know, we saw obviously, you know, without going too deep into the subject, the mental health effects it can have from just being, you know, locked up all, all the time at home, so to speak. So I think um, that really showed how much people value sort of working together and in, in the office, even if it's not, you know, five days a week, even if it's just for, for three days a week. So we did see the corporate employers kind of adopt a, a strategy of a hybrid model as something that we, we actually work with on ourselves. Um, but that goes to show you that there still is value in looking at the employers and the employers employees sorry do still need to be in that commutable distance to the to the office it's not this magical myth, mythical land now where everyone 100% works remotely you still got to consider the big big corporate you know employers in the location but the point of what i was going to say is don't forget there is a huge amount of startups and early stage businesses particularly that graduates look at you know whether they're you know tech programmers of they're going in business development, sales, whether they're doing social media management, you know, all, all these roles are, are, are required in startups as well. And the UK is, is, a, is a hotbed, for example, uh, for startups, very, very entrepreneurial, especially places like Manchester and obviously London as well. So yes, look for big employers, but if you can get an understanding of the small to medium sized businesses in the location as well, I'd say definitely look at that. It's not a necessary a case that it has to be a household name. Um, and just moving on to the research aspect, obviously, Toby mentioned um, about the data, looking at the big players like JLL. I think they've got over 70,000 employees worldwide, Savills, et cetera, et cetera. So when we're looking for big employers or small to medium sized employers, when we're looking for regeneration, when we're looking for tenant demand, yes, you can do your research, but also you might be a bit overwhelmed. You might not know where to look exactly. So that's where, again, a bit of a plug for us. That's where we come in. We've had people look into this, do research. You've got the sources. We can give you the website links. We can tell you exactly where to look. So yes, research is important, but don't think that you have to do it completely alone. And then just lastly, still room for growth. I think that's, you know, a really, really important thing to consider. Although, you know, people saying, you know, oh, I don't know how much values can keep on rising for, well, they've been rising for 40, 50 years, then they're not going to suddenly stop. Um, and just to look at the more micro detail, the one we always mention is the average value of Liverpool. So looking at the home check port is still 40, 50,000 pounds behind in terms of average values compared to your, your Nottingham's, Leicester's, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield, et cetera, et cetera. So you can actually pinpoint data to suggest what regions are undervalued still and use that to inform your investment decisions. So hopefully that's a bit of useful spiel on the, the prime city centre locations. Uh, again, we've got lots of opportunities in each of those and these principles, fundamentals, data points we, we consider before we market anything and, and, you know, suggest it to our investor audience. But what we're going to now then is a bit of what we mentioned earlier about maybe you haven't quite got the premium or maybe you're looking to establish yourself and haven't got the deposit just yet of, of being able to buy for 250, 300 grand of now what we're seeing in Manchester 
we can go through a few bits about what we look at in the more affordable locations. So if you want to take us through that then, Toby. Yeah, so like Nick mentioned, if you're looking to maybe diversify, can't afford or, or get into that prime market or um, you're just looking at other options, then one thing that has come on our radar um, for, for a little while now as well um, is um, the fact that affordable locations are becoming popular. They are a good area to look at in terms of property investing. Um, if you're looking at capital growth and also sort of the rental yield side as side as well. But again, we have to be careful because when you say affordable locations, that can mean a lot of places and sometimes affordable doesn't mean good. So we have to look at where and break down in a more focused manner why um, affordable locations. But um, one of the things we we want to want to look at when we look at um, affordable is because the sales volumes are still going to be high because people can still afford to buy there. So this is going to give you good potential capital growth because the more sales volumes, the more demand. And we are still seeing, even though there's slightly more supply coming to the market, it is still restrictive in compared to what is needed. Then the extra high, high demand is really going to help push up those capital growth prices. Now, we are seeing this um, in, in real terms as well. So the latest Home Track report had highlighted that the affordable locations um, that still had good, obviously, investment fundamentals, but uh, um, located very well, um, are getting good growth. So you had the likes of Oldham um, was over 8% in terms of capital annual growth. Uh, you have Bolton which was near, I think, either the top or second with 10% capital growth as well. So that just demonstrates data-wise how they are still achieving good annual capital growth in comparison to um, other locations like London's sort of around the 3%, if I remember correctly. So yeah, we're looking at affordable locations where the demand and appetite is going to be high because they are affordable. And that means um, with the demand, the capital growth is going to be there. Um, and also um, on the rental side, Nick, that would be the same. Yeah, absolutely. So we sometimes see people move into or tenants um, start to explore like investors do, right? So back in the day, obviously, everyone could, you know, afford to rent in, in prime city center locations. But going back to, you know, COVID and perhaps the change in that remote working that I mentioned and people wanting more space, it, it caused people to look in different locations and it, tenants started being a bit more um, open to different options or open to that commute if they're only going into the office three times a week. So when you're looking at these affordable locations, yeah, of course, rental growth and consistent demand is, is going to be absolutely essential. Um, and just going back to what Toby said about um, affordable locations uh, with it not being everywhere, you know, we're not saying anywhere outside of London is, is affordable, right? So you've got to think about, um, yes, we're saying look at city centres, but also these affordable locations handpick and still take into account those fundamentals that we mentioned, but it might just be on a lower scale or you might be seeing lower percentage rates, et cetera, et cetera. So you still got to tick the boxes of, you know, good employment, good transport network, good positive data, good, you know, regen in the area. But looking at um, the lower ticket price, there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So, yeah, getting that growth for a good um, demand for the for the rental side is, is just as important. 
Exactly. And yeah, being commuter distance to city centres is always good. We have that ripple effect we always speak about. You have the price rises first in the city, people then pushed out. And like you said, they move to locations that are more affordable, both renters and purchasers. Uh, quite interestingly, um, with the pandemic as well, we've seen a s- slight shift as well. So commuter locations, maybe not always as close as you might uh, first think, are becoming more popular because you can maybe pop into the office once or twice a week. Um, yesterday, um, I had a, a great sort of example from one of our sort of new guys, Ryan. Um, he was he was telling me how uh, Exeter, for example, um, he, he mentioned a lot of people have moved out of London to Exeter. Um, it's sort of had a lot going on there. It's become more popular and prices have done very well there. Rents are doing well there. Um, just the general property market, which is somewhere I would never have really considered as a strong, strong investment case or location, but that's because people have moved out. It's got a lot that they want or need in terms of um, living lifestyle, mm. but they can still commute. So they, they'll jump on the train um, sort of once once a week to get into London and the rest of the time they're working from home. So because that transport links there, um, that's that's very, very strong. So that's, that's an important thing. So community locations, uh, but also locations with strong employment side as well, which we mentioned when you're looking at prime city center locations as well. So we've got a new uh, freehold uh, houses that we've just launched in Derbyshire. Now, again, this ticks the box of an affordable location, um, but also somewhere that's good in terms of uh, a commuter distance to the likes of Derby and Nottingham. You've got strong employment links. So because of where you're located and such a close proximity, you've got Rolls-Royce, um, uh, JCB, for example, all on your doorstep in terms of hot, uh, sort of big employment firms that are going to be there, which is going to help with the property, the demand, both capital growth and rental price growth as well. And because it's affordable in these locations, people are going to be looking to move and buy there. There's a nice lifestyle there. It's a bit more green. Um, you've got you've got access to sort of, sort of nice sort of uh, locations, sightseeing places, but you're still close enough to the cities where if you need that hustle and bustle or you need that for work, you've still got that on your doorstep to an extent as well. So that's very important to look at. So yeah, these are the things we look at when we look at affordable and we talk about affordable locations. Like Nick said, you can't just go anywhere. We need to make sure those fundamentals are still there and in place. Exactly. And why would you look at affordable locations, right? Some people might be asking, you know, if I can buy a Manchester Liverpool, why why would I look elsewhere? So firstly, as we touched on earlier, not everyone can buy in, in the place in the in the higher tier cities or the, the tier one investment location, so to speak. So number one would be the as the name suggests, the affordability. So if you can get in there on a, you know, twenty five, thirty K deposit. You know, you're just getting yourself on the ladder. You've still got ticking a lot of boxes in terms of the investment fundamentals. But a lot of the time, it's, you know, young people that are taking the first step. They're getting on the ladder. They're taking action. They're building momentum. So that's all really positive to see. So the affordability factor, the lower ticket price and being able to just enter the property investment market would be one reason. And secondly, one which I think can be overlooked sometimes is the key word that Toby mentioned at the start of this you know, segment is diversification. So we speak to people constantly that have properties all over, you know, London, Manchester, Liverpool, holding five, eight, ten properties. And, you know, they're kind of used to their bread and butter. They're kind of used to their safety net. 
They like, you know, oh, I, I want a certain square footage. Oh, it's got to be within 15 minutes of a station, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's fine. And you can build the foundation of your property portfolio on that. So it's, you know, very robust. But as you start to build out the portfolio, um, perhaps you want to look at some of these, what we would call secondary market cities, um, where instead of buying one in Manchester, you might buy one in, you know, Derby and one in, you know, Preston, for example, and, you know, build the portfolio that way. Because in the future, it's going to give you a bit more flexibility. So instead of having one property, you have two, or I can get rid of that one, or I'll keep that one, you know, all oh, that one's done well, or this employer has now gone into that location, et cetera, et cetera. So that diversification play for going into the secondary cities, I think is, is underrated and, and very, very important. Um, so yeah, if, you, if you're holding in these key cities, particularly in the Southeast, speak to us, do your own research and have a look at what a secondary market city could offer you because you'll be surprised at what's being developed in places like Bradford, Preston, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so that's obviously what we're looking for and where we're looking and why we're looking in, in sort of certain sort of locations and highlighting that. Um, Nick, why don't you give a quick run through um, of where realistically you don't want to be looking um, either at this moment or just in general as well um, in terms of property investments? Because, yeah, we spoke about where you should be, but now we should maybe have note of where you shouldn't so it can sort of tie in with that. Yeah, so I mean, we've mentioned sort of prime city centres, which I suppose is more apartment focused. Um, then you've mentioned as well some of the the freehold stock and, and traditional houses that we have access to. So maybe gearing towards more of a, a look at the actual assets and the, the investment model itself. So a couple of things I would be cautious of is looking at um, HMOs or perhaps um, student accommodation, which is in and around city centres but not at the quality that you that tenants demand. So this might be something that's, you know, 25 minutes, say, drive or, you know, a, a bus ride or train journey um, from the city centre um, or from campus, should I say. So something like that, it's going to be mediocre, right? So you might attract first-year tenants or second-year tenants that are really still on that shoestring budget and they might be sharing um, and then that will cause, obviously, more wear and tear on the property um, it means that the, the obviously the rental figures won't be where we want them to be. Um, and it probably means in the long term that the capital growth rate won't quite be where we want it to be either. So I'd be very cautious about chasing a rental yield because they can offer high rental yields. But chasing that is can be detrimental to other areas of your investment, i.e. void periods, uh, capital growth, uh, look at the longevity of the property and being able to maintain it, maintenance costs, things like that as well. So these, you know, uh, overvalued uh, HMOs in, in in really sort of average locations and also student properties, which might have been around 10 or 15 years, but they've had a lick of paint and they've put a TV on the wall and now all of a sudden it's a good investment. So I'd be cautious of those ones as well. Um, and then just lastly, um, for me, it's still not, a good time to go into prime London. Um, I just don't think that even if you've got the budget, uh, if you look at the numbers and the financial forecasts over the next five years, what you can earn going into prime Manchester, prime Birmingham or prime Liverpool versus London, it's still a world of difference. You're talking tens of thousands of pounds difference in a five-year period of, of what you can earn. So there are a couple of things that I would, I would be thinking about. Um, I'd probably say just one more thing would be um, going somewhere that is 
kind of off the beaten track or the beaten investment path, should I say. So maybe it's a brand new location that's come up. You've never seen a project there marketed before. There isn't too much research around that location and you just haven't got enough data to make an informed decision. Uh, that's probably what I would you know, consider uh, a, you know, a slight red flag um, and maybe gearing towards somewhere where it's got a bit more evidence to support the investment case. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And just, just to round that off, um, like you said, looking at the evidence and track record of the location, you can look back over the land registry to see how they've performed. And if you've got a real sort of flat line of growth, or maybe there's been a, a decline and it's never picked back up, for example, mm-hmm. um, then that's uh, a red flag to say, oh yeah, maybe that's not a good place. And what you'll tend to find, and this isn't, this isn't a hundred percent sort of right in all cases, but you tend to find there the places where the yields are very, very high and seem extremely attractive. And that's because the property price and values are so low. But then when you dig a little deeper, you see that the prices have never really risen um, over the long term, that there's not really any growth. Sometimes they've dropped and not come back up. And yeah, that's never a good sign for property investing, unless you are literally just interested in high yields and that is it. But then you have to mm. be cautious the kind of tenants you're going to go uh, for and, and attract. That's the only thing that I, w- I would mention about that. But that said, yeah, that's definitely something to look out for. And I'm glad you brought that up, Nick, actually, because, yeah, that's one of the things we look at when we say not to invest. Right. Um, I hope that has been informative and helpful. If you do want to sort of discuss anything we spoke about in more detail, get in touch, info at track capital, or cap, or info at trackcapital.co dot uk and a member of the team will be happy to help there is a lot of information out there there's a lot of locations that you can invest there's a lot of good locations so sometimes if you do want that sort of clear cut advice narrowing down and assistance with that in terms of looking at what's best maybe for yourself and looking at the data as well so we're backing that up then yeah please get in touch because that's what we're here to do and that is how we can help Yeah, you hit the nail on the head just to finish up. It's all about bespoke, what's best suited for you because we've been very generic today. We've given you the overarching principles, the fundamentals, but it's not going to be, it has to be a case-by-case basis, should I say. So for someone, if they've already got loads of property in a high growth area, they might look at one of these high yielding locations, but all depends on personal circumstances. So yeah, give us a shout if we can help with anything and we'd love to assist. Excellent. So we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.